Welcome back to Up Close. We are your hosts. I'm Tori. And I'm Chad. This is my hubby. And we are just going to be talking about some really, honestly, this episode is super personal. We share some of our insecurities and dealing with irrational thoughts and us being our own worst enemies. And we have a guest today. And he is so well versed on this topic, but we'll introduce him later. So before we get to that segment, we're just going to share a little up close and personal update from the Masters. That's us. That's us. Um, so we were actually just in New York this past week. And if you watched a previous episode that we did, we shared with you that we thought we were pregnant. And then we decided, then we found out we weren't. But then we're in New York and I get this random message oh my goodness from my friend and this is the second time in the past two weeks that friends of mine who are like somewhat close but not like in my like inner circle of really close friends who like know in depth about my life tell me that they've had dreams about me being extremely pregnant and they're like i don't know tori something's happening we're currently taking applications for new friends for tori <laughs> If you're a viewer and you think she's cute like I do, and you also think she's fun and super spiritual, then please submit an application to send us. Because <laughs> I'm, you know, your friends are coming strong with trying to make sure that you get pregnant. Yeah, they're like in it. They're in it. I'm, I'm just saying, babe. If they want to pay know. the hospital bills. <laughs> if you guys want to know, we're not trying. And so that's why this is so funny that we just keep thinking we're pregnant. But as of yet, our up close and personal fact is that we still aren't pregnant. So we'll let you know if that happens at any point soon. We are going to introduce the special guest that we have been talking to you guys about. He has spoke to, what, millions of students at this point. He is a road warrior. I think he has like 3,000 speeches under his belt. He is Dr. Brooks Gibbs. We want to welcome you to the show or the podcast podcast. Welcome. <laughs> Yeah. So, so, so nice to see you. So great to be on your show. I'm very excited about the conversations you guys have been having with people. I'm glad to be a part of it now. Well, I know that we're super glad that you're a part of it. It's actually something that's very important to us. As we were mentioning before, Tori and I did deal with different type of bullying issues. And aside from, you know, the actual bully, it showed how fragile we were. Yeah. And that was a shock to me because I thought I was this macho guy walk around with chest hair and everything. And then I realized that, man, my skin was thin. I wasn't, I, I don't think I was raised strong. I think I just had a bravado that was a makeshift strong. But I, I would love to hear your thoughts on how our audience and how Tori and I can yeah. continue just to develop, I guess, a thicker skin or to, or to be raised strong or to be strong. Yeah, well, that's great, man, because I'm all about emotional resilience. I think it's the secret to helping people stop suffering. You see, if you're not offended, there's no problem. Um, and it sure is a better strategy to uh, protect your emotions by becoming emotionally strong. A worse uh, approach, I would say, is trying to make everyone nice. You know, pass laws for non-criminal aggressive behavior like name-calling or or social exclusion, or gossip and rumors. I mean, that's what schools are doing for the last 20 years. They're trying to criminalize everyday aggressive behavior. And it's really dumb because you can't do that. And uh, But what we can do is teach people how to be 
emotionally strong so that they um, are happy with who they are, how they are, they're not living for the approval of others, and they're content with just a few friends that are not demanding that they change. Hmm. And how, like, practically are there tips on a daily basis of, like, how do I put on my emotional armor per se because I mean we still to this day you know get YouTube comments that are super hateful even though our like cyber stalker ended up going into jail and we felt like okay now that those days are over like we're, we're past it but I mean we still get stuff on the daily that's hard so what's like a practical way for not only us but our listeners and our viewers to like equip themselves um, to, to go out and be strong on a daily basis well, here's the most important thing. Understand how emotions work. It's not what people say or do that wounds you emotionally. Mm. People cannot hurt your feelings. People cannot make you angry. People cannot push your buttons. It's called the illusion of aggression. We think they're pushing our buttons or hurting our feelings, but that's a lie. There's no scientific shred of evidence that makes that connection between what they do and how you feel. And what so happens is in between their aggression and your emotional consequence, is this gap and in that gap is your belief system so it's mm. a the aggression b your belief system and c the emotional consequence so it's not what they say that wounds you emotionally it's what you think about what they say so just understanding that there's a massive gap and there's a cognitive process there's a belief system that needs to be rock solid that's where the protection mm. is and solomon said the most important thing is to guard your heart for right. out of your heart flows the issues of life why mm. don't we guard the heart through our mind, or as my grandma put it, you want to break my heart, you got to go through my brain first. Dang. So it's knowing who you are, which is the most important protector for your emotional state. I think that's so interesting. It, you know, and if we didn't grow up with this specifically, you know, with, with learning to guard our heart or renew our mind and different things like that. You know, I became a Christian at 23. I didn't know anything about self-worth or value. I, I, I knew what I thought I knew, and then everything got changed at that day when I got saved. And so... How can someone, you know, kind of catch up with some self-worth or some, or, you know, rewiring of their brain or their heart? How, how can someone catch up with that? Mm. You know, the two uh, struggles that every human has is the need to perform perfectly and the need for approval. So it's perfectionism and approval addiction that the 16 to 28 year olds are really starting to realize, oh my gosh, I'm neurotic, I'm crazy. I have to be perfect. Everything has to be in its proper place. And why don't they like me? And oh my gosh, especially, you know, uh, what do they call it? Uh, insecurity. Oh, <laughs> that's so funny. I love that. Um, it is really critical for people to uh, figure out how the gospel cures those two threats of performance and approval. When you give your heart to God, and you become his child through Jesus and the sacrifice he made. He accepts you. You no longer have to perform perfectly. He says it's already done. And you are approved. So performance and approval go out the window the more you understand the gospel. When you understand the truth of the gospel, it delivers you from those neurotic needs to be perfect and always get approval. And it's better than psychology, talk therapy, it's better than medication. When Jesus said the truth sets you free, he meant it. Right, I think that was so good because you said it earlier, like knowing who you are. And I say it's really important to know whose you are because I feel like the more you know Jesus, 
the more you know your creator, then the more, then in turn, you know whose you are. And I talk to girls all the time and I was even telling him, one of my girlfriends didn't even hear the line, you're the daughter of a king until two years ago. And she's been in ministry for a really long time. And that just blew my mind. And just that one line of like, whose you are, like the daughter of the king or you're a royal priesthood, like that can change the way you walk and change the way you talk. And, you know, even in terms of um, when people come at you and knowing the truth of God's word, it's so much easier to filter that, right? Like we, I had a comment the other day and it, and it kind of irked me a little. I was like, oh, rude, right? You just want to be like, that's so rude. But as soon as I like looked at it for what it was and me knowing the truth of whose I am and how it has, it doesn't change my life at all, right? It's so easy to just delete the comment and move on with my life. But I think about those people who, who don't know whose they are, right? They don't know who they are and how that can truly affect their thinking. And I know you also talk a lot about irrational thinking. So how do we, you know, take our thoughts captive and, and we're really aware of when we're, we're going down that spiral emotionally in our brain? Well, I think if it's bothering you, you know, if, if something is still haunting you in your head, um, you're getting emotionally uh, triggered by something, I, I consider that a great gift because it's just proving that something's broken inside in your true belief, in that belief system we talked about. If there's an emotional consequence, there's a brokenness in the belief system. So I always look at conflict or aggression or haters as like critical, like a um, boxer needs a really good sparring partner to see how good or how not so good they are. Yeah. We need haters in our life. When Jesus said, love your enemy, he, he meant love that they're there. That's another element of understanding what he meant by that. I like to remix love your enemies as heart your haters. So I don't delete them. I don't block them. I heart them. And I try to think of a way to respond to them in a way that will de-escalate the aggression. You know, I've had 250 million views of my videos. I've had hundreds of thousands of comments and shares. And I've had people who think, you know, I'm out to lunch. And a lot of people love what I do, but a lot of people don't. And I, too, kind of, when I would see a comment or someone trying to dig in, trying to find dirt on me or something like that, I got immediately triggered, like, oh, my gosh, you know, is this going to affect my career? Is it, or, or, why are they saying these things or whatever? It's not even true. And I realized, man, their one desire is to upset me and to control me. And if I get emotional and I get upset, they're winning and I'm losing. They have power over me and I'm giving them my power. I don't want them to win or dominate. So I go to God and I just say, God, help me. Help me understand that in this life I will have trouble. But you, Jesus, a man of sorrow and grief, you said you overcame the world. So it's just washing yourself in the gospel and what, whose you are, as you said, is a daily thing. Practically, I love what you said because sometimes we don't know what to do. Like when we had our cyber stalker and we were getting comments from, I mean, he would create hundreds of accounts a day just to, to come at us. And it's really hard to know how to respond to said bully, right? So it's like, okay, do we just ignore it? Do we um, come at them with love? Like how, how do you feel like is the best way to interact with someone who is trying to, you know, bring out that emotional side of you? 
Well, I teach something called the triple threat trifecta. It's uh, it's three reasons why people are aggressive to you. They're either trying to bother you, they're just a provocateur, um, they're just a hater, so to speak, and they just want to see you provoke, um, or they're joking with you. And all, all humor is very violent and aggressive. People may not realize that, but someone pays for that punchline. And if you're the butt of the joke, if you're the target of the humor, that sometimes can sting. But they just may be trying to be funny. But the other reason is they may be hurt by you or hurt by somebody else and you just brought up that old scar. As the old saying says, hurting people hurt people. So it's really important to try to discern right away, why are they being so aggressive? If they're hurt by me or hurt by somebody else, I need to apologize. Um, I don't have to say I did what they said I did, but I could say, hey, I'm sorry you're struggling. I hear you out. Man, that's tough. I'm not going to shift blame. I'm not going to make excuses. I'm just going to give them what they really need, which is I heard you. I know you're hurt, and I'm sorry you're hurt. If they're trying to joke with you, then I just laugh. Good one. You should be a comedian. Ah, you know. But if they're trying to bother you, then I realize they're just trying to play me, man. And uh, I'm not going to get upset and just be kind to them. And when I'm kind to them, it frustrates them and they want to leave me alone. So from a sociological perspective, understanding the intentionality or the motivation behind the aggression will help you know exactly how to respond. Wow. So, so is this something that you've always been passionate about? Like, or did you wake up one day and be like, wow, I'm, I really want to learn more about this because I got affected by this? Or how did you like stumble across all this? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like all those things. Uh, God just opened doors. You know, when I was a senior in high school, I graduated early and I moved to Littleton, Colorado. And I just happened to be at this incredible place where this horrible tragedy happened on April 20th, 1999. Mm -hmm. And I was just in, I guess, the right place at the right time to create a trajectory for my life. I was 18 years old, fresh out of high school and had to do something with my life, and, and man, this was it. This was the birthplace of the anti-bullying movement. And so that was 20 years ago, and I'm still doing the same thing. I met my wife around that same time, and she booked my first school assembly, and she still books my school assemblies today. Uh, now, I've I've done explored a lot of different things. I was a road pastor for artists on the road for a while. I was a teaching pastor at a church, but I've always kept kind of uh, working with schools. It's, it has been a passion of mine because of my history, I was picked on relentlessly as a kid, uh, but that's not mainly why I do it. I just realized it's what I pray for my kids when, when I think, what are they going to do with their life? This is my prayer. God, give us a heart of compassion for the needs of others and the wisdom and resources to meet those needs. And that prayer was answered when I realized there's a bleeding issue. This is the most hypersensitive, emotionally volatile snowflake generation that's ever walked planet Earth. The suicide rate is going at an all-time high. We consume more antidepressants and spend more hours of counseling and psychotherapy than all the other youth populations around the planet combined. The North America, Canada, United States student or young adult is, is ill. And so I realized, man, this is a bleeding need. My heart is compassionate, so God gave me the wisdom and resources to help resolve some of these uh, problems and it's a great great thing that God has me doing. I love that and, and so I have, I have a question for you. I think the thing that I struggle with is sometimes it's less what people say about me but it's more about what I say about me and and it's like for example right now I'm struggling with an outbreak of cold sores. I don't know if you can see it through like the Skype cam but they're all here and part of me really wanted to cancel doing the podcast. A part of me I, I have I, I get paid as a model 
and I have a couple auditions, you know, and I'm trying to skip those. And, and my wife can be like, oh no, babe, you can barely see them. Or my friends can be like, oh man, that's like, people aren't gonna care about that. But all that is really affecting me is what I think about myself. And how would you encourage or how would you um, shake someone out of that thought? It, just even speaking into that specific issue. Mm. Well, it's very brave of you to be transparent and honest. And, and I think that is a uh, first part of it, right? You know, the, the truth sets us free and that includes being truth with what's struggling. Uh, but it's, it's, not, it's not the cold sore that's creating the problem. It, the issue is never the issue. It's underneath the issue, which is you're thinking about it. And you either, uh, if it really bugs you and you're wanting to do dramatic things like cancel stuff, you have what's called an irrational demand that you must not have cold sores. You should not have cold sores. You have to have an absolute flawless face. So because you've built up this irrational demand that it has to be this way, you're continually to disturb yourself. So what any you know, cognitive behavioral therapist or wise pastor or friend would come to you and say, hey man, you need to adjust to reality, bro, instead of demanding that reality adjust to your demands. Like that's mental illness. That's that's insanity when you say reality must accommodate my demands. You got cold sores, bro. You're not going to change this. This is reality. So you have to now adjust to it. That's mental health. Adjust to reality, embrace it and say, you know what? I'm 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 going to realize it could be worse. So that's the first question I would have you ask yourself. How could this be worse? The second thing I would say, why won't this really matter in the future? Well, obviously, because it's going to go away. And the third thing is, how could this be a good thing? And if you can go through those three questions and really rigorously believe it, it could be worse. Why won't this really matter in my future? And how could this turn out for my good? If you, you, you will talk yourself off the ledge of irrationality, keep every booking that you have, and you'll have way more confidence. And, uh, and that's what I think all of us want to see in you, because we want to see you or anyone overcome the very thing that's trying to hold you back. I love that. Is there any chance you can repeat those three questions? Because I'm, I'm taking a mental note right now. How could it be worse? You know, well, let me just ask you, how could your, your situation with cold sores on the lips, how could it be a worse problem? You know, I, I felt incredibly convicted even this morning. I'm a, I don't, I'm a big fan of, of Ellen, you know, the talk show. And I saw this viral video going out and there is this, this wonderful gentleman who just got, found out he was diagnosed with, I think it's called Axe ALS. And I was watching his interview and I just remember thinking like, wow, and I'm worried about this, you know, and like, like I, I felt so stupid, honestly. And that was just yes. earlier today. Dude, you could be ugly, <laughs> all right? And you're not, you're a flipping model. So like, like it wouldn't even be an option. So <laughs> it's, it's like Brad Pitt going on Oprah and saying, I was bullied for my looks. And no one has sympathy for you, bro. You know, so you're right. But what did you do? You compared your situation against the backdrop of something that is worse. That's what my wife did. She's a quadriplegic. She's paralyzed from the neck down. She was a gymnast, broke her neck when she was 15 years old. And when I said, it's so sad, she says, you know what? I could be blind. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that's like the most wow. difficult disability to learn to overcome. I'm so thankful for my sight. And just comparing yourself to that, you realize your rock bottom is not your rock bottom, it's actually a lot lower. 
And just the fact that you're lowering your rock bottom raises you in a, a better mental state. But then you have to ask, you know, why won't this matter in my future? And obviously it's going to go away. Uh, but the best thing that you can do is find the upside to the letdown, the good and the bad. And it's how could this turn out for your good? And I'll tell you right now, it's forcing you to face your hyper insecurities that you're going to have to radically address. And so you can, as David says, may the bones that you have broken be become the voices of praise. In other words, let 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 me get through this and I'm so thankful I have it. Or as my wife would say, you know what? I get good parking. I see the upside to this. I'm in a wheelchair and I get on the front of the roller coaster. So it's just rad. Yeah. Dang. Oh, well, I, I love that. And I, I love the fact that God will, you know, use all of that. I think there should, there could be listeners or viewers that, that struggle with cold sores or whatever it might be. And, and they're like, oh, I'm not the only one. And now I know that I need to ask myself these questions and I need to address irrational thoughts. And it reminded me of the story in the Bible uh, where the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tested by Satan. And I think a lot of times we focus on like, why is the enemy doing this? Versus like, maybe this is happening because I'm supposed to use this trial to glorify God through it. And I think a lot of times we, we get mad or we're like, why are we going through this? Mm -hmm. Versus saying, what is God trying to do here? Like, how can I glorify God through the thing that's making me insecure or whatever that is? And I actually touched on this in the, the last podcast, but he, I used to have like really bad cystic acne and he used to try to encourage me like, why don't you share your journey? But my insecurities crippled me and I didn't share until I overcame it. And looking back, I hate that I didn't share it then. Like, I hate that I didn't share my journey. And I hate that it, I let it cripple me and paralyze me. And I wouldn't go and do things because I had those irrational thoughts and would get so upset. And it's silly how appearances can really drive your thoughts so, so much. Um, but I also just love thinking like, okay, how can I encourage people in the midst of this trial because I also think our lives, you know, could be the only Bible someone ever reads, right? And so how is the way I'm living and how is the way I'm dealing with this hardship going to reflect Jesus mm -hmm. the best? And, and I would say it's okay to be bummed. Right. It's okay to be disappointed. Those are very rational emotions. Where it becomes irrational is when you say, oh, I, I, can't, I can't go on. I'm in despair. This is horrible. And when you have those type of defeating thoughts, that's not helpful. That's damning. And, and you mentioned Jesus in the wilderness. And I'll just say this. The same things you struggle with and we're talking about right now, perfectionism and performance. Uh, I'm sorry, performance is perfectionism and approval. That was the second thing. So performance and approval. It's exactly what Satan tempted Jesus with. He says, if you are the son of God, that's approval, right? I'm not sure I approve of you. I'm not sure I believe you then perform, turn these rocks, you know, into bread. And so it's so interesting to see how, and it's very interesting that says Jesus was tempted in all ways in the book Hebrews, it says, but we only see a few conversations of temptation, which I believe in that holds all the potency of all of our temptations. And, and we could see Satan try to work Jesus over, but Jesus says, no, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from 
the mouth of God. And that's what sets us free. God, who do you say that I am and whose am I? You're yours, God. I love that. I love that. Well, we just want to thank you for your time. I know that we, I feel feel like we just had a counseling session. I feel better. (laughs) Yeah. Do you feel better, babe? I feel better. I feel better. I hope the listeners feel better too, but we just want to give you the floor. Um, If you have anything going on or anything you want to share uh, before we kind of close up today, you have the floor. Well, I don't care about anything or plug anything that I'm doing or whatever. I care about what I do, but I, I only want to say one thing. Think about love. First Corinthians 13 says love is two things. Love suffers long and is kind. Love is resilient. Love has this toughness and tenderness. It's like a tough skin and a tender heart. And I want to be a more loving person. And I think the stuff that I study emotional resilience and and the ability to not get upset and be kind to your enemies and all that kind of stuff. I think I'm really deeply studying love and understanding it. That for me to really love my enemy, which sometimes is myself, as you said, I'm my worst enemy, my worst critic sometimes, is I need to be more patient or resilient, not easily getting upset. And I need to treat myself like a friend, right? Love your neighbor as you love yourself. So uh, I love you guys. And I thank you for uh, being honest and transparent. And I think that's what people appreciate about this show. Thanks for having me. We appreciate you. We thank you for coming on. And we thank our listeners and our viewers for tuning in to this episode of Up Close. Stay tuned, like, subscribe, do all the things. And we will see you in the next episode. 